Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 189 today. Uh, we're going to be discussing um, Mysteries and Metaphysics Part 3. Um, and uh, Part 1, we discussed Ancient Civilizations uh, and Mysteries. Part 2, we discussed... Uh, what did we discuss in Part 2? I forget. <laughs> oh, consciousness and you know creators and gods and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Oh, and some esoteric and, uh, um, yeah. Esoteric. We went on a couple of different tangents on that one. Yeah, no, that was a good one. Um, but yeah, so those are, that's what we've hit on so far. But I think this one, we're just going to be discussing metaphysics. And I think that's kind of at the forefront of most of the things that we talk about. So I think this will be a good episode. Um, and then for part four, I'm thinking megalithic sites, and it'll be a slideshow episode. So if you're listening on an audio platform, check out part four. It'll probably be, obviously, most beneficial to watch it on our YouTube channel. And uh, yeah, before we get started here, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast For just $2 a month, you'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments. Um, we also are on Discord, so if you have Discord, check us out on there. Uh, and actually tomorrow, I haven't even told Maurice, but we're going to do a fan chat at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern time. So anybody who's on our, you know, Patreon or Discord, definitely jump in and have a chat with us. So, And one more thing, head on over to indrasweb.org. It is live. Sign up for an account today. This is the social media platform we created to connect open minds you know, whether it's discussing metaphysics, philosophy, ancient civilizations, megalithic sites, if you have a theory or a hypothesis or anything like that, uh, yeah, that's the place to do it. So head on over there. Okay. So how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, my man? I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, so yeah, so metaphysics. I mean, we've discussed metaphysics and regards to like psychedelic experiences and the nature of reality and we've done a few episodes on the topic specifically so i thought this would be a good one too to discuss you know where we currently stand and uh how we think about things did before we get started before we started the podcast actually did you even know what metaphysics were or think about it in that regard um metaphysical jones baby do you even still know what <laughs> metaphysics is? Uh, why don't you dive into it for me? Uh, I mean, metaphysics is just... Well, okay, so it comes from uh, uh, two Greek words that um, together they mean after or, after or uh, among the natural. So, I mean, basically somebody put together uh, some of Aristotle's works, I think after he passed away, um, and uh, there's a treatise called Metaphysics or Metaphysica, um, and it means like after the physics. So like, where does what do we know beyond actual physics? Like, what what can we know 
beyond like science like what's the next level what's the next step you know yeah. what's the what's the nature of reality you know what what is consciousness what is the meaning of life if there is one what is is there any purpose in the universe like those kinds of questions so right. i'm looking up the definition it says the branch of philosophy that deals with the first principles of things including abstract concepts such as being knowing substance right cause identity time space yeah obviously i've been pondering these things since high school after we've read some of the books siddhartha electric kool-aid those kind of things because those were heavily rooted in metaphysics if you will and then i also <laughs> think because we were kind of uh attached to the the improvisational bands the live bands you know the well the bands that were mainly based with their live performances and stuff when you go to a show you feel something that is more than more than words can explain. Mm -hmm. So just having that feeling, I know I, I, I saw fish when I was a freshman and I felt something there that which propelled me to actually become a musician in the first place. So something there changed my life. What it was, I couldn't put my finger on it. Later that I, I started learning about collective consciousness and all those kind of things. So yeah, I, I more or less knew about it, but I didn't really understand it or have words to define it with if that makes sense yeah so uh, i mean what it comes down to is you knew about all these things but you didn't actually know like the names or specific terminology or like how to break it down basically pretty much and i again i i, I was aware <clears throat> of them i don't know if i knew about them because i i'm still learning about them as we as we go now right i mean i'm still learning i mean look we don't have all the answers that's for sure i mean i do do a lot of research and reading and uh, my free time i enjoy the stuff i'm kind of a nerd like that but i by all means am not some sort of uh scholar in this regard and do you think like the more information you get the, the further you get from your answers or what's your concept um that's a good question. Um, I don't necessarily think it, about it like that. I think, yeah, if you learn something new, it kind of could change your perception of things. It could either make you have more questions, which, yeah, more knowledge generally does lead to more questions sometimes. But those questions might help you break things down or specify how you feel or think about something as opposed to necessarily getting away from it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so the main ones we normally talk about, uh, ontology... Um, which is a branch of philosophy that studies the concepts such as existence, being, becoming, and reality. You know, it's so like, what, what's what's the nature of being? What's the nature of reality? Um, and if you hear somebody talking about ontology, that's what they're discussing. Okay. Um, epistemology is the theory of knowledge, especially in regards to, you know, um, in terms of like, uh, it's the investigation of what distinguishes you know, what's justified belief versus what's opinion, you know, like, is there substance behind what you believe or is it just a, like a, a faith belief or something like that? Uh huh. So epistemology is like, how do we know what we know? Um, teleology is the explanation, uh, of phenomena in terms of purpose. Uh, we talk about that a lot of, on the show. Um, you know, is there, an objective purpose or is everything just subjective purpose or is purpose something that we create ourselves? You know, that's generally the way when I think about teleology, that's how I think about it. Yeah. That's a, that's a real noodle scratcher. 
I mean, what do you think? Do you think, uh, before we started the podcast, do you think, did you think there was a purpose and do you think that there's a purpose now? Yeah, I think there, I, I thought there was a purpose cause I was kind of more religious based and I definitely think that there's a purpose now because the more we get into the science and the know-how and this and that, it still leads me to believe that this wasn't some kind of happy accident. But again, that's just me. I'm not going to poo-poo anybody's ideas if they want to go one way or the other, but um I'm in the I'm 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 set up in the camp of uh we're here for a reason. I think it's to learn lessons and improve ourselves. And some people would go even as far as to say that these may be multiple lives that we're living in if we don't learn the lessons then we have to come back and uh learn them learn them again yeah i mean i don't that's what some people would point to like deja vu or something like that but i don't know how much i think that that's even i mean i've thought, definitely thought about it i just don't what would be the reasoning behind that well if there's a uh, a galactic school and you have to keep raising your vibration. See, that's what I'm talking about. Like, where would you even get this idea of, like, so we're talking about these things, like epistemology. Like, how would you know that? Like, how do you know? Is it just a faith thing? Like, how would you think that there's a galactic school? <laughs> well, I, we don't have to say it like that, but I think that there's a... I think that it would be... The way that we came to be, I think that it's pretty hard to explain that just by saying that all the right things came together at once and even if you use science to look at it you'd be like yeah well it's possible obviously anything is possible but the likelihood of it all coming together i don't know it does it doesn't feel right to me now does that mean that it's my my brain telling me no, that there's you, a reason to live or you what should what, what, i mean look you should question stuff that doesn't mean you can still I think that there's like a value to believing in something. It's almost like a placebo effect. Like if you believe strongly enough in something like, and I'm not saying being like crazy, you know, and like telling people, other people what to believe or think, not nothing like that. But in your personal life, if you want to believe something that's kind of out there and it helps you in some way, I mean, I'm all for that as long as it's not in, uh, you know, affecting somebody else in some negative way, if that makes sense. But um, yeah, I was just curious, like how, why you think that, I mean, it's, again, it's fine to think things and believe things. It's, but how do you know that is, you know, would be my, and if it's a gut feeling or, um, you know, there's a lot of people talking about gut feelings out there too. Like most of your serotonin is in your gut. Your brain is very connected to your gut. So there's something, I'm not saying believe your gut all the time, but I mean, I don't know about you, but in school when I would take a test and I'd have a gut feeling to like mark something off and then I'd go against that later on, I'd realize, oh, it was the gut feeling I should have gone with. I would have gotten that right. You know? Yeah. So. I get that a lot when I'm playing uh, cards or something, you know, like you'll have a instant in, instinct feeling and then yeah. you kind of fight it. Like your brain will try and convince you to use, to, to do something else when you should have just listened to your stomach. But, um, you were saying that. The bottom line is every you have to believe in some kind of outlandish thing, even if you are a scientist. If you're heavily rooted in, you know, uh, the Big Bang, which I'm not saying did or did not, but if you believe that all uh, time and space was in the size of a pinhead, isn't that kind of outlandish? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, what's that? Uh, like, where did that come from? That's the thing. That, that's what we kind of always get back. Well, that's to, not like, a what? set in stone thing either. That's an illusion that it's set in stone. Like, not all. I mean, I, I look. They can trace things back pretty well. I mean, do right, they have all the answers? Right. No, because there's still other theories out there of like a multiverse and these bubbles, which were universes colliding into each other and creating our universe. You know, so there's all these different theories and hypotheticals and speculation so in, in no way is it set in stone and i'm sure as we know more or go through you know time with science and maybe what even like the next version of whatever science becomes which might even be a thing too that people don't even think about like you think science like oh this is this empirical observation thing but people used to think that way about religion until philosophy came around and then philosophy turns into science and now we're at science so maybe there's some next step there that we're just not aware of so yeah and again i was just kind of supporting the fact that you're gonna believe if you're if you're the science master you're still gonna be believing in some kind of out there things because there hasn't been anything truly proven we don't really understand why we dream i was talking to my counselor or my therapist today about uh full moons and i was like what is well i asked him what his thoughts were on full moons and do they affect emotions and things like that he's like well and my mom said that she used to work for a for a uh, a doctor's office, and she always said that when the full moons came, people came out of the woodworks, and all kinds of crazy stuff happened. Do they have? And my therapist said the same thing. He's like, we don't have any scientific proof, but being a mental health profession professional, I've seen things, and people seem their emotions do seem to be somehow connected to the the full moon. Now, is that a placebo because we're aware that it's full, or is it is there something more there that we just don't understand and that's kind of the thing it's like we don't fully understand yeah. a lot of things so i mean that would come down to like uh how space or like the harmony of spheres in the ancient world they would call it how that affects one's psyche uh-huh um again i mean i think look sun cycles moon cycles they for sure have an effect to what extent that effect is who knows well, that's why I kind of argue with the scientist stuff because they're like, "Oh, well, we're just animals," and then you're like, "Okay, well, let's let's say we're animals. The 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 moon, the full moon, and the moon's cycles and and all that stuff affect the animals. So why couldn't it? If if we're animals, then it would affect us too. And then they're like, "Well, we're we're now we're humans. So like they they fight each other. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know where you're going with that, but um. <laughs> so okay, so let, let's get to so identity. Identity is a fundamental. Um, metaphysical concern like this is at the the forefront of metaphysics and um, metaphysicians investigating identity are tasked with uh, the question of like what exactly it means um, for something to be identical to itself or you know something you know along those lines so like um, an example there's we've talked about some of these ancient Greeks like um, Parmenides um, denied change altogether. Like he thought everything was this one thing that just never changed. So if that, does that make sense? Like say it again, Parmenides, who we've discussed on our pre-Socratic episode, uh, our part of our ancient Greece series, uh, denied that there was any sort of change like we don't people don't change like nothing changes it just is what it is and uh -huh. it, you know so and then you have heraclitus uh, another pre-socratic who argued um that change was 
you know, evident and ubiquitous. And, you know, he had the famous saying, which people use all the time, no man ever steps in the same river twice, meaning that the river is always changing, the, the current, the flow, yeah. the water that's there one second, you step in and again, it's it's new water. Absolutely. So you have two competing, you know, uh, differences right there. A modern, um, somebody that we've also discussed in regards to this kind of a thing uh, was Leibniz. People pronounce it differently. Leibniz, Leibniz. Uh, and his law of indiscernibility of identicals, meaning that for two things to be exactly the same, they they have to be exactly like they have to be for two things to be identical, they have to be exactly the same. Like all the properties have to be the same. So like if you take mind and matter, okay, so we know what matter is. We can touch it. We can interact with it. Whatever. Mind is a different thing. Mind is something different. So if it's emergent from biology or whatever, um it's still like that's where this whole thing flips. It's like modern philosophers would say, oh well that's just a difference in like like language, like we figured that out or um just the wording of it or something like that. But if you look at like what mind is versus matter, they are two different things. Like you can't touch a thought. You know, you can't so like so mind and matter are technically not the same thing however consciousness might be this thing that comes from biology so it's like this thing that we've learned over time but that's that would be used as like an argument or for debate for dualism in a way you could use um that mind and matter are two different things however modern philosophers do not believe that um and you could look at it like this how think of matter as your hand okay and then if you make a fist, a fist is something different, but it's still your hand. So that's uh-huh. what, that might be what the mind is, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's kind of where, you know, that's going with that whole thing. Um, I mean, I, th- I think that the, the, the truth probably lies in between both of those, don't you? No. We're well, what are to, you? We'll get to what I think later on here. Okay. Um, in philosophy... Uh, you know, idealism um, is a diverse group of metaphysical views which all assert that reality is in some way indistinguishable or inseparable from human perception or understanding. So um, mind is key when you're talking about when you hear like ideal, an idealist or idealism. Mind is is what comes first there. Um, Let's see here. So then you have things like Okay, so um, subjective idealism is, it, you know, it's, it's basically that objects only exist to the extent that they are perceived by someone. So yeah. you need the human in subjective idealism for that to occur. So you, you need the observer. Like, that's what's going on there. And then you have objective idealism, which says that the existence of objective consciousness exists before and after you know it's not dependent on the human consciousness so there's two different versions yeah. of ideal yeah we're gonna get into a lot more here so <laughs> you better start paying attention um let's see here um so this is a big one we did one episode on this a while back i don't think we really did it justice maybe we'll do another one on the future and have a guest and really uh go deep with it but uh determinism versus free will um, so determinism for people that don't know what that is, 
It's that all your actions, it's like a, a causal line of events that led to this present moment. So your life can be determined based on everything that's previously happened before, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. So like you technically didn't have, you weren't making those, you thought you were making those decisions, but you weren't right. really making those decisions. They were already going to happen. Yeah, because I did this, that happened, then right. that happened. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then there's also free will, which is the belief that everything you do is based on your own um, free Volition. will. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm totally in that camp. I'm surprised you said that word. I didn't know that was in your vocabulary. <laughs> wow, it just beat up on Maurice Day. No, I was I, impressed. I, that was a good thing. April Fools! I... <laughs> he didn't know what it meant. He just <laughs> he's heard it a million times, folks. Um, no, no, that was good. Um, but so you have those two things. I mean, how do you think about? Did you think about that before this podcast? And if so, what did you think? And then how do you think about it now? I thought about it right around the time we started it because Joe Rogan had some guests on and they was talking about that. It was probably I, Sam I, Harris maybe? Yeah, I think so actually. I'm, I'm totally in the camp of free will. I think that you have total control over the choices you make. And uh, yes, the previous events may have... I don't know, man. Because when, when, when you start boiling it down, it gets very, very in-depth. You know what I mean? Like, if you're making decisions, are you really making them? Or are you making them because of previous things that have influenced you to make that decision? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean... I don't know. It's pretty so do heavy you have a, did, stuff. So did you think about it beforehand? And, like, what do you think about it now? I I'm still I still believe that we uh have free will. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I'm going to give you my idea of this or how I think about this. How I thought about this going in to this podcast. Yeah, I 100% thought we had free will. And I didn't even know kind of what determinism was. Um so that was like what 4 years ago, 3 years ago, 4 years ago. Yeah. Um now after knowing what determinism determinism is and understanding these concepts and like how to break these, you know, metaphysical or uh, metaphysical ideas and the different philosophies behind these things. I personally think that we have both. I think that to our, us, the observer or the person interfacing with the world through our consciousness, we have free will outside of our consciousness. If there is some other entity outside of us, whether it was, let's say it was a creator or something way more advanced and they could, they, they had all the physics, they had all the quantum physics, they had the unified theory that we don't have now between the different, you know, branches of physics. And they had all those things together. They could figure it all out. They would be able to tell you what you were going to do if they had all the calculations. So we talk about this a lot. Yeah, the right? billiard shot. Yeah. Laplace's, uh, Simone Laplace's billiard shot. So Simone Laplace back in the day, I think he's like a 1700s Frenchman, um, said that if you could, um, if you could, if, let's say you have a billiards table set up for the break and you were given all of the geometry, all of the physics, you had all the math, everything, you could pretty much determine where all the balls were going to land on the break. Right. So now look at our universe and that's like a God's pool shot in a way, if you think about it like that. So yeah, if somebody yeah. said God is all knowing or whatever, if there was a creator, they would be, they would know that if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I can see that. 
So I believe, again, we have subjectively, we have free will. Objectively, it's probably deterministic. Right now, that's what I believe. Now, my mind could change, but it's changed a lot. You know, that's why partly in the title I put on these where we stand, you know, because this is... <laughs> yeah, it's going to change tomorrow. It's going to change. Um, and But this is just based on my experience and researching and thinking and pondering these things a lot, so... Well, I've also came up with a pretty good rule of thumb as the truth lies somewhere between, <laughs> which is not a, it's not a cop say, out. Like, I know, but you do say it for like a lot of things. Yeah, I know because it's usually. You even want me to say it because you're like, you think the truth lies <laughs> in between. I'm like, I, I, not on that. Well, yeah, you kind of just did uh, apply it, my friend. That's not in the middle. Well, that's applying two very different specific points. Yeah, but that, see that, that I'm not saying that necessarily. It's blends in, but in the middle. But did what I say I, sounded that? Did that sound that crazy or that unbelievable? No, no, I like what you were saying, man. I, I, but the point that I make with the truth lies in between the middle is, like, if me and you got into an argument and then we we went and both told you told your wife, I told my girlfriend, we we talked about like the argument, we would both have a, a separate view of what happened. What actually happened? Maybe I had 75% of it and you had 35% or maybe we both had 50-50 or maybe you had 90% of it right and I had 10%. You know what I'm saying? But the truth is somewhere in between. That's that's kind of where I go Yeah, with I mean, that. that's a, again, I, I've said it too. I agree with that to a certain extent, depending on what it is. I don't think that applies to everything, though. Yeah, yeah, well. <laughs> but you will <laughs> shove it in there and apply it. No, I don't think it applies to everything. Obviously, water is is h2o there's all right no, all right no thales we'll get to you later all right all right um so one big thing that when we're talking about this these two again i mentioned uh leibniz and uh the whole for two things to be the same or identical they all the, all parts of it have to be the same um so when you look at like dualism versus monism you have Cartesian duality, okay, mm -hmm. which is that the mind and matter are two different things, uh, which mm. is outdated in terms of, like I said, modern philosophers and scientists. They don't think that at all. Um, there might be some. I mean, I'd like to hear actually like a modern viewpoint of that if somebody knows somebody or has an idea for that. Um, but yeah, then monism, which we discovered is the, you know, you have, uh, let's see here. You have physicalism, uh, you have uh, uh, idealism, and you have um, uh, neutral monism. So, I mean, we'll, we'll get into those here in a minute, but there's it's broken down as, like, if you think dualism is, this, again, separation of mind and matter. Monism is the belief that there's one thing at the core of all things. So yeah. if you think it's physicalism, it's going to be matter is greater than mind, which means that matter leads to mind. If you believe in idealism, well, mind is more important than matter, and mind leads to matter. If you believe in neutral, you know, it's kind of a 50-50 a thing. You know, you could go either way on it. Uh-huh. So... Um, Again, monism, you know, the attributes or, you know, oneness or singleness. Um, let's see here. So there's different types of monism, too, which we're going to get into here. Um, 
you know, even let's see here. Oh, um, I was going to mention too, when you think about these things, I don't, there is no like right or wrong way. Like, like I said, even though most philosophers don't really entertain dualism anymore, um, I think that there's still some sort of like mental exercises or, um, you know, like thinking things you can like, uh, thought experiments that you can do that are interesting, you know, like you can still toss these ideas around in different ways. I think that might lead to something else, you know? So absolutely. And knowing about it's a good thing as well. I don't think knowing about something that's kind of outdated is necessarily a bad thing if it, in regards to like the nature of reality. No, I I agree with you. Um, and, and so like for monism, you know, you had neo neoplatonism, which came from originally Plato's, uh, philosophies and everything is derived from the one. Um, and in this view only, you know, one thing is ontologically basic or prior to everything else. Um, so, well, okay. So let me go back here a little bit. You have priority monism, which states that all things existing, uh, things go back to a source that is distinct from them. And that, again, that's, you know, uh, Neoplatonism. So, like, the God or the one thing is distinctly separate. Like, it can't, we, we were not a part of the same thing. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, existence monism posits that, strictly speaking, there is only a single thing in the universe which can be artificially or arbitrarily divided into many things. Um, substance monism asserts that there's a variety of existing things that can be explained in uh, terms of a single reality or substance. Uh, substance monism posits that only one kind of stuff exists, although many, many things are made up of this stuff, mind or matter. Uh, dual aspect monism is the view that uh, the mental and the physical are two aspects or perspectives um, of the same substance. Let's see here. Okay. So, um, again, monism is derived from Western philosophy. It usually, uh, is discussed when people discuss the mind and body problem. Um, the wide definition of it is uh, a philosophy is monistic if it postulates the unity of the origin of all things. All existing things return to a source that is distinct from them. The restricted definition. Uh, so this is this requires not only the unity of the origin, but also the uni unity of substance and essence. So Aristotle would talk about essence, and I think actually Plato talked about it a bit too. So let's say... Um, Let's say I have a ball. I have a tennis ball. I have a golf ball. Uh, I have a basketball. You know, you would say that the that's the essence, right? Like if I handed you one of those balls, you would, you would know that this is like, that's what that thing is. It's a ball, right? Mm -hmm. You could say the same thing about, I'm trying to think, uh, a guitar. If something had six strings and looked like a guitar, it might have come in lots of different shapes and colors and sizes and whatever, all weird, you know, a Strat, a, a Les Paul, a PRS, whatever it is, but it's still a guitar, right? Right. That's an, the essence. So we know that there's this thing called essence because there's, there's like a, it's like a, it's like a, I don't even know how to, it's just, it has this thing that you just know, right? 
Yeah. Um, so there's that. And um, so one thing that I know you will, will like here um, is that in modern Hinduism, the term, uh, a, you know, absolute monism is used for uh, Vedanta. So like in that mind, you know, uh, philosophy or, you know, religion, the idea that all things are one, right? I Absolutely. mean, you've read, you've read those books, you know, you yeah. know, you've talked to Chris that uh-huh. all these things are just one thing. And like, even Chris said that like all these different terms, even within Vedanta, they're just made up to help people understand. But in reality, it's all just one thing, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where, again, a lot of religions kind of have that thought on that. So, um, but there's different forms of it and you can, we're going to get into all these Again, there's so many variables for each of these things. There's different types of monism, different types of idealism, different types of realism. You know, there's so many different little like variations where they're like offshoots of these main topics. Yeah. Um, so we discussed. Uh, I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Is this going over your head so far? Or what do you think? No, I, 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 I think that. We are all one. We are all connected, and I think that we we came from a source that we shall return to. Okay. Pretty pretty basic compared to the offshoots <clears throat> and all the yeah all the stuff. But you know when like the stuff that Chris was Chris was kind of talking about with the Vedanta, like yeah, it can be a lot of the stuff can get really super crazy and. Um, like you were saying, there's all kinds of different variations and stuff, but at the core of it all, I think that's kind of more of the important part is the, just understanding the core of it. Yeah. But that's for more for personal use, not, not studying and trying to learn all the different, uh, sects of the, the religions and things like that. You know, obviously you can, if you're trying to study this stuff, you can get into all that stuff, all those different avenues and which is a good thing as well. Right. So here's different types of monism. I don't know if I listed them all before, but uh, substance monism, the view that uh, the apparent plurality of substance is due, um, is due to different states of or appearance of a single substance. Uh, attributive monism, the view that whatever the number of substances, they are of a single ultimate kind. Uh, partial monism is uh, within a given realm of being, however many, you know, there happen to be, there is only one substance. Existence monism is the view that there is only one concrete objective one. Uh, priority monism is the whole is a prior to its parts. Uh, the whole the world has parts, but the parts are dependent fragments of the integrated whole. And then uh, property monism, the view that all properties are of a single type, only physical properties exist and uh, genus monism, which is uh, the doctrine that there is a highest category of being. Mm. Um, let's see here. So here's some views that contrast monism. Uh, metaphysical dualism, which asserts that there are two ultimately irreconcilable substances or realities such as, uh, such as good and evil. For example, um, Let's see here. Uh, Well, I don't like that example. We'll move on. 
Uh, metaphysical pluralism, which asserts that there are three or more fundamental substances or realities. Um, metaphysical nihilism, which negates any of the above categories, substance, properties, concrete objects, etc. Uh, monism is modern, um, uh, or philosophy of mind can be divided into three broad categories. Um, so this is what I was talking about earlier. Uh, so you have ideal and idealist, which is a, um, mentalistic monism, which holds that only mind or spirit exists. Um, uh, neutral monism, which holds that uh, the one sort of thing fundamentally exists to which both the mental and the physical world can be reduced. So that might be kind of where I'm, I might be neutral monism, which, um, well, maybe not, maybe I'm idealist. I don't know. I got to think about this more. <laughs> I think well, mind, I, I think yourself into one of those categories. Well, I think mind. well, there's so much more and you can check off quite a few boxes here too it doesn't have to just be one thing because there's different versions that uh fulfill different thoughts and philosophies mm -hmm. but um i do think mind is super important i just don't know if it's equal to matter or if mind is more important than matter i don't know or more I should say important to the nature of reality. I think the mind's more important than matter because if we didn't have the mind, then we wouldn't even be having this discussion about no, it in I, the first place. I agree with you, but I'm talking about in terms of like... Of the creation of Like things. relevance to the universe. Right, right. So, I mean, I, again, I don't know. Um, but, but if you didn't have the mind, you wouldn't be able to take anything in. Right. Well... This stuff um, is very in-depth, I'll tell you that. Like, my yeah. brain is... I mean, I'm pondering on this stuff as we talk about no, it. No, I think know? we we got to go through this, though, because if, <laughs> if you can make this stuff normal to think about, you know, you can take it to the next level when you're thinking, so... Yeah, yeah. Um, material monism, also called physicalism or materialism. I know we talk about this a lot. Where I am anti-this. I do know that. I'm anti-materialism. Not that I don't think it's a possibility that everything's just matter and nothing you know like even consciousness is like a byproduct of matter i i, I accept it as an option but i don't want to live my life that way even if it were true so uh, yeah that's that's like that's the path that i take a let's say that you're believing some things and it's not true in the end what's the worst that's gonna happen right so you're but, back to where you were started anyway but if i'm being honest i don't think that that's the answer based on everything i know so far and what i think is truth even though I would accept that, I guess, as a, a truth. I don't think that is the truth, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, we've had this talk <clears throat> multiple times. Yeah, I mean, so... And we poo-pooed people over it. So, yeah, materialism, it, you know, holds the idea that material, uh, the material world is primary and that consciousness arises through the interactions of the material world. Um, eliminative materialism is... Um, everything is physical and mental things do not exist. So, I don't know how that's even a thing, but, like, what is, so mental things don't exist? We don't have a mind? I mean, who believes that? Well, you'd have to have the mind to believe it in the first place. You have to have a mind to even create that term in the first place, so. <laughs> yeah, so, um, let me smack this guy in the head, whoever invented it. Uh, reductive physicalism. So, according to the uh, which mental things do exist in our kind of of a physical thing 
So, or what did I, according to uh, which mental things do exist and are a kind of physical thing, certain positions do not fit easily into the above categories. So things as functionalism, anonymous uh, monism, and reflexive monism. Well, um, let's see here. Okay, so here's, we've discussed this on our ancient Greece series, like the pre-Socratics, and I actually went through and I did talk about this, how they, um, some of them came up with these monistic ideas way beyond, like they were some probably the first people to think these things. Um, but Thales, who's known as the first philosopher, was a pre-Socratic, um, he thought water would, you know, made up everything. He thought water was at like the root right. of all um, matter or existence. Right. Um, and then someone is, thought the sun Which was, is wrong, right? but it's, I mean, it's a good idea in the sense you need water to live. There's, you, he probably, you know, growing up in Greece or uh, in Miletus, you know, on the edge of Turkey there, um, probably thought that seeing all that water, that that's that's probably not a bad way to go. I mean, not having the aerial views or the space shots to know how much land is truly out there. So, and yeah, and it was new. He was the first natural philosopher that we know of. So, and that, 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 that inner thing that, that it, it draws us to the water always. And then you have an Aximander, uh, who thought that the Aperon, uh, which was this, unidentified infinite it's um i don't even know um reality is like one thing but we can't know what kind of a thing so he thought that that was the case for it uh an ex enemy an ex uh an ex i can't even pronounce that of Miletus. Well, don't look at me no i wasn't looking to you <laughs> um thought air uh was you know was at the, the core of everything. Um, Heraclitus, again, I mentioned him earlier. He thought change, uh, you know, was at the core of everything, but it was symbolized by fire um, and that everything was in constant flux. Uh, Parmenides thought everything was one thing, um, but nothing... Uh, yeah, it's like an unmoving, perfect sphere, unchanging, undivided kind of a thing, so... And he was big on perception and, um, you know, how our senses lie to us and that kind of a thing too. So, mm-hmm. which is true to, I think to a certain extent, you go on some of these rides at like Disney world or something and, uh, what's it called? Soren, this ride Soren. And it feels like you're flying and they're blasting like lavender as you're going through lavender fields. You know, you smell lavender. I mean, you feel yeah, tricking your senses. Yeah, yeah. They're tricking your senses. So it's not absolutely possible. I mean, you, anybody that plays video games, same thing happens. You go to the movies or, you know, whatever. There's lots of things that can do that. Um, let's see here. Uh, so let's say after Socrates, uh, Neo Pythagoreans, um, such as Apollonius, uh, centered their cosmologies around the monad or the one. Um, Stoics, uh, they basically taught that there is only one substance and it's identified as God. Um, let's see here. Uh, Neoplatonism is mo- uh, monistic. Uh, Plotinus taught that there was an ineffable transcendent God, the one, 
it always goes back to this monad or the one uh, of which subse- uh, subsequent realities are emanations. Um, so, uh, you know, again, Plato leads to Neoplatonism. Neoplatonism leads to Gnosticism and early Christianity. And that's where you get a lot of those ideas of this one. And actually, Gnosticism, the whole origin behind the Demiurge is that the Demiurge emanates without its counterpart, Sophia, which would just be the female aspect. And that's why we have this God, Yaldabaoth, also known as Yahweh, who's this, he thinks he's the one true God, but he's really like um, an imperfect creation who creates an, us, this imperfect, this other imperfect creation, thinking that we're this perfect thing, but we're actually this like flawed uh, version of this one thing. And actually that goes back to all the way to Plato, theory of forms, which Plato thought that there was this other realm where everything, the idea and the, the idea of things and the um, the geometry and the shapes of everything existed in another realm, and that's where we come from. So that's where that idea comes from. Yeah, I like that. I think we've talked we've talked about that a long time ago. Yeah, probably on our ancient Greece. Um, let's see here some famous monists, um, Giordano Bruno who said that the universe was infinite and that there's probably, you know, life elsewhere, uh, was burned at the stake by the Catholic church. Um, Spinoza, who I know Peter Schurstead, who's been on the, that we talked about psychedelics and philosophy of the mind. He's a big Spinozan, uh, Leibniz, who I just mentioned, uh, up there. Um, let's see here. Hegel, uh, Schopenhauer, Alan Watts, Bertrand Russell, Alfred uh, North Whitehead. I mean, these are some some big thinkers. Um, and then neuroscientist Francis Crick, who came up with the uh, the idea of the double helix for the uh, the DNA strand. Yeah, that's awesome. Your favorite uh, analogy of the the plane, you know being constructed in a junkyard through or a tornado ripping through a junkyard constructing a yeah chew on that okay now we're going to get to some of these different variations of things and i'm just going to read these definitions because some of these things we discussed and some people i've gotten emails like what does this mean kind of a thing so i mean i don't get them all the time but i'm just going to go through some of these terms if you hear something you like let me know Okay, absurdism. It's the philosophy stating that the efforts of man to find meaning in the universe will ultimately fail because no such meaning exists, at least in uh, relation to man. Absurdism is related to existentialism, although it should not be confused with nihilism. I know you probably don't like that one. No, no, no. (laughs) Uh, The word nihilism, it just sounds bad all right big lebowski <laughs> um let's see a cause a cause mism a cosmism i guess that's how you pronounce that uh is a philosophy that denies the reality of the universe seeing it ultimately is illusory and only the infinite unmanifest absolute is real uh in contrast to pantheism a cosmism uh, begins with the recognition that there is only one reality, which is infinite, non-dual, blissful, etc. Mm. Uh, agnosticism, 
Um, most people know what this is. Some people might not. It's the philosophical view that the truth uh, that the truth values of certain claims, so particularly theological claims, the existence of gods, deities, are unknown, uh, inherent, inherently unknowable or incoherent, and therefore irrelevant. So, people that are ag- agnostic are people that are saying, "We either can't know that there's a god, or you know, not a god." But to me, it doesn't even matter, anyways. So, and that yeah. person still might be open to the idea of that, but they've never been presented with anything that has persuaded them, if that makes sense. It does. Um, let's see here. Altruism, the belief that people have a moral obligation to serve others or the greater good. It is generally opposed to the concepts of self-interest and egoism. So I think we all want to be altruistic as much as possible. I mean, I don't know. You have to be somewhat self-serving in some regards, or how would you survive? But, I mean, I think that uh, the world's a better place if people feel like there is some sort of moral or ethical obligation to help other people out. Yeah. Um, Let's see here. Animism. And this is... uh, this is the belief that objects, places, and creatures all possess a distinct spiritual essence. I think uh, I like Aristotle was a fan of that. Anthropocentrism. So this is the practice that, conscious or otherwise, of regarding the existence and or concerns of human beings as the central fact of the universe. So this would be the idea that we are the only thing that matter. Like we're, the, we're at the center of this thing. Like yeah, everything revolves a, around us. Right. Wait, then, then that's like the setup of a meme <laughs> that just doesn't go over very well. <laughs> yeah. But we all, I think we all kind of deep down do believe that. Do we not? Um, I think that it's like a default. I think that when you go throughout your day, you think, I think it goes, it's like the giant's marble. Going through your day, you think you are the center of your own world or universe, which you are. Well, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. And then from there, you think, oh, this is the only thing that exists right now that we know of. Um, and then from there, you know, you can go, keep going on and on and on. Uh, and then you get to aliens and gods and all sorts of things. So, uh-huh. um, yeah, I mean, I think, again, I think it's probably some sort of a default thing. I mean, in actually, in ancient times, obviously, they that was kind of the thought process to a certain extent. Well, they didn't have, they could only see what they could see with their eyes. Well, it's probably, I mean, that probably comes in handy for survival, too. If you think that you're, you are at the center of the universe or everything revolves around you, you know, there could be some sort of um, benefit from, you know, evolutionary. Well, you should treat yourself as its own temple, obviously. You got to take care of yourself and, uh, Okay. That should be the number one thing, you know. At, yeah. When Anthro, next one is anthropomorphism. So this is the form of personification involving the attribution of human characteristics and qualities uh, to non-human beings. So you see this with like animal-headed gods and you're giving human, um, you know, at, you're giving human characteristics to things that are not human, whether it be objects or nature or animals um, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Anti-realism. 
any position involving either the denial or the objective reality of entities of a certain type or the insistence that humans should be agnostic about their real existence. Thus, people may speak of anti-realism with respect to other minds, the past, and the future. Mm. So, Aristotelianism, so this is the philosophical tradition that um, is basically inspired from Aristotle's work at the uh, peripatetic school. Um, Let's see here. It's amazing that our language is Greek-based and these things are impossible to say. Yeah. I mean, not everything. I think I've gotten better since we've done our, like, ancient Greece series at saying and pronouncing some of the, you know, some of the uh, etymology and stuff. But, I mean, some of it's just like, what are we doing here? (laughs) Right. Well, you're talking to illiterate Jones over here, so (laughs) I'm really having a hard time. All right. Uh, Asceticism is a way of life characterized. um, Well, the better way to say it, so it's like uh, your existence reframes from worldly pleasures. Those who practice it often perceive their practices as virtuous and pursue, um, you know, pursue them to to achieve greater level of spirituality. So an example would be um, the Pythagoreans, the people that followed Pythagoras. It was kind of like a cult, like an ascetic cult. And, you know, it was all about like mathematics and metaphysics and people, you had to be a vegetarian. So it's this like, it's like a very, um, you're reframing. It's like a, like a discipline in a way, I guess you could call it like that. Like you're being disciplined from engaging in things that would normally give you pleasure to ultimately seek some sort of higher level of consciousness. Uh-huh. Um, atheism, I think most people know what this is. Some people won't. Anyways, and some people that call themselves atheists don't even actually know what it is. You know, I, I see people debate online all the time, and they actually don't know what some of these terms are. I mean, I've been guilty of s- stuff like that in the past, too, but some of it's really egregious. Yeah. Um, the obscene uh, of belief in the existence of God or gods Thus, contract, uh, contrasting with theism, a condition of being without theistic beliefs. This definition includes both those who assert that there are no gods and those who maintain that no beliefs at all regarding the existence of gods. So um, nowadays, most people probably are atheists, or a lot of people are atheists. And, oh, yeah. Um, you even have this movement called the New Atheists, You know, where you have like Sam Harris... And, uh, you know, a Richard Dawkins type or these different people that, you know, they have these, you see them always debating people like on YouTube, there's a million videos of these new atheists debating people that believe in a God or, you know, consciousness surviving death. That's like their main thing is they want to, they're trying to, you know, change people's minds. I even think that some of them go to like have debates at like, uh, with priests and different uh, religious leaders and things like that. So there's those new atheists, then they really get off on trying to like change people's minds about there being some sort of God or creator or consciousness surviving death. Yeah. It's a real shame. I mean, I look, do what you want to do. If that's That's what I'm saying, if that's your thing, but at the same time, it's like, what a waste. If you're smart enough to debate some of the top minds, you think that that would be 
better off spent doing something else. Because even if you, let's say you change a few people's minds, I mean, okay, so what? Yeah, I mean, is that making, is that bettering your life to bring other people down into and the a people, black void? Here's what I would say. The people that are willing to change are usually not the people that need to hear those things anyways. Like those people might have come to that conclusion without you at some point. Like the people that are so dogmatic about these things, like let's say the believe the Bible word for word. I think the Bible is a great allegory. I think that there's some some knowledge in there, but there's also some very questionable things too. So I think that, you know, so if somebody's going to read a book written by a bunch of different people and they don't understand the history of it, where it came from, how it came to be, those kinds of things, I mean, that that's where you get into this realm where it's like, those are the people that you want to change, help at least get them into the mode where they're like researching and looking into more things. But again, that's that's where I stand. I don't have a problem with them, but I don't understand um, them changing people's minds that are willing. You know, like those people are already willing to change their minds. So, yeah. Um, let's see here. Yeah, everybody just wants you to be with them. You know, they always want you to just follow what they're thinking. Yeah, I mean, look, everybody's... Safety in numbers, if you well, will. No, it's it's everybody's eval- evangelical about something. You know, like growing up when we were in high school, we are like, let's pe- get people into fish. We love fish, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, about five, ten years ago, I started thinking, man, I shouldn't have told so many people about fish, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I love fish, yeah, but there's too many people. There's too many... Well, yeah, there's too many idiots at at these things now. You know, I can't even enjoy it the same way, which, you know, but is what it is. Neither here nor there. Um, let's see here. Dualism. We already discussed this a little bit above, but it's the theory that, um, the mind and matter are two different things or mind and body are two different things. Um, let's see here. Emergent materialism. Uh, so this is the philosophy that asserts that mind is, uh, irreducible, um, is irreducibly existent in some sense. Um, albeit not in the sense that being, uh, ontol- well, that doesn't even make sense. I don't even know. Uh, so it's the study that of mental phenomena is independent of other sciences. So again, I don't even know what I wrote down there, but I, I messed that up. So, all right, we forgive you. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get some of those, you know? Absolutely. We're only human ladies and gentlemen. Um, let's see here. Uh, epiphenomenalism, yeah, epiphenomenalism, uh, is the view that in philosophy of mind, according to which physical events have mental effects, but mental events have no effects of any kind. In other words, uh, causal relations go only one way from the physical to the mental. So, again, that this is saying that physical events lead to mental effects so this is all based and kind of, again kind of um materialistic in a way or materialism in a way uh-huh like meaning that you can go back to monism what that that chart that i was telling you about the difference between dualism and monism and physicalism and the idea that matter is weighed heavier or there's more weight into physical the physical world or matter than there is the mind so Okay, let's see here. Okay, so existentialism. This is the philosophical movement 
that views human ex- uh, the human existence as having a set of underlying themes and characteristics such as anxiety, dread, freedom, awareness of death, the conscious uh, consciousness of existing, uh, and that every that all these things are primary. Uh, that they cannot be reduced or explained by natural scientific approach or any approach that attempts to detach itself or rise above these themes. So you have a lot of, um, you know, like uh, Nietzsche or Nietzsche. I mean, there's, I've had, we've had three or four different people on the podcast that all pronounce that differently. Um, even to this day, I see, I see like scholars fighting about that, so. Yeah. Even these people's names we can't even agree on. So <laughs> what um, a world we live in. But uh yeah, so I think most people know what existentialism is. Um idealism. So back to this. This is the metaphysical view that associates reality to ideas in the mind rather than to you know the material objects. It lays emphasis on the mental or spiritual components of experience and uh renounces the notion of material existence so again idealism puts mind over matter um illusionism so this is a philosophy that holds that there is no material world but rather a collection of illusions formed by human consciousness that results in an environment for all humans to live in this is kind of interesting um do you want me to repeat that or are you paying attention because it looks like you weren't. I mean, I'm listening, but you, I, 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 I always could use a, a refresh. Okay, so illusionism is a philosophy that holds that there is no material world, but rather a collection of illusions formed by human consciousness that results in an environment of uh, for all humans to live in. So actually, this kind of sounds like, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's this TED Talk with this neuroscientist, Anil Seth, and his theory is that all of us are all hallucinating all the time uh-huh like well that's all we're doing is hallucinating so this would kind of be that right if, every, if everything's an illusion and we're living in this collection of illusions formed by human consciousness and it revolves like so i forget the guy's name but there's another guy out there saying that we can't even know what reality actually looks like where this is just what we formed through evolution to this point. So it's something I was going to ask you is what's the real world then? Well, to, according to Anil Seth, it, we, we don't know because we're always hallucinating all the time. This is all hallucinating. This is all illusionary. Not yeah. to say that things aren't there, but our perception of what it is, is created through biology. So I don't it's know. Wild. I, I do find that kind of interesting, though. Oh yeah, it's it's it's, it's <clears throat> interesting, but it's hard to wrap my head around. Um, so you ha- then you have logical atomism. Oh, so, um, Bertrand Russell developed a logical atomism uh, in an attempt to identify the atoms of thought, pieces of thought that cannot be divided into smaller pieces of thought. So I don't know if you remember a pre-Socratic episode. Uh, with Democritus, this guy, um, him and, uh, I'm drawing a blank, I think Cratylus maybe, um, came up with this idea. Was it Cratylus? I don't, I don't remember. All right. But this idea that there's these tiny particles, the story goes, he's looking through like a light shaft and he saw like a bunch of dust and like, you know, through the beam of light. 
and that everything is made up of these little particles. We still use that to this day. The idea of the atom came from ancient Greece and the pre-Socratics. That's sweet. So his, and to just to point out though, Democritus's idea of the atom is probably very different than our idea of the atom. Well, we have a little more right. range with the telescope. And, what, you know, there's subatomic particles. You have quantum physics or the microscope, now. rather. You have all this crazy stuff going on now, too. But his, that is what we still kind of go by in that regard. Um, and there might even be, ultimately, at some point, some particle that we get to where it is not dividable, which he would then be right. But maybe it would, you know, it would be a more elevated version of what Democritus was thinking. Um, let's see here. Materialism. So again, we've talked about this. Um, materialism in the form of philosophical, uh, philosophical monism that holds that matter is the fundamental substance in nature and that all things, including mental states and consciousness are results of material interactions. According to philosophical materialism, mind and consciousness are byproducts of, uh, epiphenomena, um, of the you know material process such as biochemistry, the human brain, the nervous system, uh, which they cannot exist. This concept, uh, or without, they cannot exist. With this concept, directly contrast idealism, where the mind and consciousness are first order realities. Um, this is the opposite. So we thought, did discuss that a little bit earlier. Um, uh, naive realism. So this is also called direct realism or common sense realism. Um, and this is the common view of the world, including the claims that it is as it is perceived that objects have the properties attributed to them and that they maintain these property properties, even when not being perceived. Um, so this is kind of interesting because what we know, um, about quantum physics and when you observe something, the measurement changes. So I don't know how that would play into there. Maybe that debunks that a little bit. I don't know. Um, let's see here. Nihilism, your favorite one. Here we go. Um, he's a nihilist, man. Where's flea? <laughs> um, it is a philosophy or family of views within philosophy expressing some form of negation towards life or towards the fundamental concepts such as knowledge, existence, the meaning of life. Different nihilist positions hold um, variously uh, different human value or the different human values are baseless and that life is meaningless, that knowledge is impossible or that some set of uh, entities do not exist. So again, it's a very bleak way to look at the universe and the world. Yeah, it's a it's a troublesome path to go down. <laughs> again, I would think it's your favorite one. Yeah. Um, ontologis ontologism is the ide- ideological system that maintains that God and the and divine ideas are first object of humans or humans' intelligence. And that the intuition of God is the first act of their intellectual knowledge. Uh, well, let's see here. Martin Heidegger used the term ontotheology onto, onto to refer to answering questions of being with direct reference to the belief in God. Um, so, yeah. So, this is um, 
this is saying that once we came up with the idea of God, this was like a first step towards intellectual knowledge. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Phenomenalism. Uh, so in epistemology, in the philosophy of perception, the view that physical objects do not exist as things in themselves, but only as perceptual or perceptual phenomena or sensory stimuli, um, like things, you know, it's like hardness, softness, sweetness, you know, these things are situated in time and space. Uh, Platonic realism is a uh, belief in the existence of the universal uh, universals as articulated by Plato. Platonic real, realism is often created by Plato's theory of forms. Again, we've discussed that many times. We did an episode on Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle. We went kind of into depth with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have Platonism, um, the school of philosophy found, founded by Plato, often retur- referred to as Platonic idealism. This belief, you know, it's the belief that the entities of the phenomenal world are imperfect reflections of the ideal truth, as I mentioned before. Um, In in metaphysics, sometimes used to mean the claim that universals exist independent of particulars. Uh, So, yeah, this is like the predecessor, like precursor to Aristotelianism. Um, Pythagoreanism is a set of esoteric and metaphysical beliefs held by the ancient Greek philosopher Pythagoras and his followers who considerably who were considerably influenced by math Pythagoras uh, Pythagoreans greatly influenced Plato, uh, uh, Platonism uh, later rivals of Pythagorean doctrine, doctrines led to what is now called neo Pythagoreanism um, or revivals I said rivals I'm sorry my, my mind's all blurry right now yeah. i can't read for some reason tonight at all i apologize um let's see here so pythagoras again i mentioned his ascetic cult that he had but when you look at what pythagoras socrates and plato did when they would be in a dialogue with with an interlocutor an interlocutor i can't even pronounce i do i can't pronounce anything tonight i don't know what's going on with me i can't even talk but and I didn't even hit the vape pen or anything. I don't even know what's <laughs> going on. You might need to hit the vape pen. Maybe I do. Your thoughts cleared. Maybe I do. Um, but uh, so yeah, so those three. So you have Pythagoras, Socrates, and Plato, and they would try and win the argument or the debate or kind of reveal knowledge by. They would always go to math, like that was their go-to. Using math, you know, they would be able to basically win the argument because a lot of people couldn't really fall back on that back then. Um, And then you also have, so somebody that kind of diverged would be Aristotle. So where those three used math to, you know, drive home their point, Aristotle actually diverged and he would use biology. So since he was very interested in observing nature and like animals and like the functions and mechanisms behind things, he kind of had a different take on it. So... Oh, that was probably a nice breath of fresh air. Yeah. So, okay, then we get to rationalism. This is a theory or method based on the thesis that human reason can, in principle, be the source of all knowledge. Uh, In the modern period, rationalism was uh, initially championed by René Descartes and spread during the 17th and 18th centuries, uh, primary in in continental Europe. 
Um, this is opposed with empiricism. So let's see. Yeah, here. I like Descartes. I have one of his books. <laughs> you love Descartes. What do you have? The Cogito or Meditations? I don't even know. I have to dig this thing up. <clears throat> I read it a while ago. It was pretty interesting. Okay, so now we get to reductionism, another one of your favorites. Uh, a number of related and contentious theories that hold very roughly that the nature of complex things can always be reduced to or explained by a simpler or more funda or other more fund fundamental things. So this is a set of objects, phenomena, explanations, theories, and meanings. In short, it is philosophical materialism taken to its logical consequences. So, again, if you like materialism, you love You're reductionism. You're going to love that. <laughs> uh, relativism is the view, uh, the meaning and value of human beliefs and behaviors have no absolute reference. Uh, relativists claim that humans understand and evaluate beliefs and behaviors only in terms, for example, uh, their historical and cultural context. Philosophers identify that um, many different kinds of relativism, depending on uh, what allegedly depends on something and what something depends on. So I'm sure you've heard the term, like, that's just relative or it's just relative to you. Yeah. Same thing. And, and like, you only have a reference point for what you know is basically what that's saying. Right, right. Um, and it's only relative to your own life and perceptions. Okay, another one of your favorite. We're just hitting all of your, the greatest hits here for you yeah, now. Baby. We get to scientism. Um, this is the belief that science has primacy over other ways of obtaining knowledge. This term is often used in a derogatory manner to refer to a level of trust or reliance upon sci scientific progress that the speaker deems excessive. So I don't even like... In a way that just even that, that like who wrote that, a scientist, that explanation? Because it's, it's already saying like, oh, they're all against us kind of, you know, when that's not it. When I say scientism, it's usually somebody that's like super dogmatic within science, like Richard Dawkins. Like nobody really likes him that much. Like other scientists, he's like one of the most, you know, maybe evolutionary biologists kind of revere him. But like outside of that, he's kind of, people don't like him. Yeah. So, um yeah, I mean, it, what it comes down to is I don't like the overreaching or dogmatic thinking in any regard, whether, again, we, I just said how I feel about like people that take the Bible word for word. Well, I feel the same way that like want to read scientific you know, papers or use scientific method to only obtain knowledge or truth. Like, what are you doing? That just sounds terrible. But yeah, it's that's not my opinion. Desired. Yeah. I mean, look, in, there's even within science, you have... The humanities, you know, like archaeology, you know, uh, philosophies, even a humanity, um, things that are not as empirical as like biology, you know. Uh huh. So you you know you have this whole you have different tiers of things, and where I look, I'm far more likely to get down or get behind somebody that has, you know, a hard science background than I am somebody that's you know just the humanities. I'm not against them. I just if you're going to give me some sort of data, um, I think you want to get it from the hard sciences in terms, and, and you can't really get that from certain like psychology. Like we don't know what consciousness is. We don't exactly know how, 
you know, the brain works and how people have, why they have anxiety and science is really good at answering how questions, but it's not, it's not good at answering why questions, if that makes sense. It does. It does. And hopefully they will start to be able to answer some of the why questions. And look, I love science. We talk about science all the time on the show, but I'm also hard on it too, because I don't think that. Well, you have to be, you can't just accept things. These scientists go crazy, you know, like some of them, you give them a, you know, a little bit and they're off running and, you know, their book, their new book or this or that. And it's like, come on, you know, like there's still people that are defending their theories from 30, 40 years ago. It's like, you have to you know, gotta let it go, bro. You, you have to keep moving. You have to keep this thing moving. Like my favorite scientists are the ones, the visionary ones that are trying to think ahead, you know, using metaphysical thinking or metaphysics, you know, using knowledge that's already out there taking a more of a um bigger picture view of things because i think that if you just look at things like if it's so broken down that you're only doing scientific method on this one aspect of this one part of science and this one specific thing and then you want to have a a a ton of views on other things that's fine but if you want to have a ton of other views on other things that having to do with other branches of science that you're not even educated in and you think you have like authority over other people like come on get get out of here with that that's nonsense so and that happens all the time especially online well online is no i mean but how is science being communicated if it's not through online that's true yeah especially in today yeah uh solipsism uh, this is the view or theory that the self is that all is all that can be known to exist. So this is the idea that you're the only thing that's, or I'm the only thing that's real. I'm the only thing that I know that I'm the only thing that can be real or is real. I can't verify anything else. It's kind of what that comes down to. Yeah. I think we've all kind of had that thought run past us at one point. Yeah. Stoicism is the Hellenistic school with the principle that self-control uh, both emotional and physical leads to an inner strength and character that enables one to harmoniously interact with the natural world. It is often contrasted with Epicureanism. So, so uh, Stoicism, there's some good aspects to it. I like it. You know, there, most modern or I should say a lot of modern philosophers are Stoics or they, you know, practice Stoicism. Um, there's some things I don't like about it too, but um, the idea of like taking self ownership and control over things, both emotional, physical, like that's true. You can't let other people, you know, rattle you. You have to take care of yourself. You, you know, even if you can't blame everybody for everything else too, you have to take some sort of ownership of yourself. And I think that there is a line, obviously you can't control everything, but, um, I think that if you look at it that way, like instead of saying, Oh, you know, uh, you know, Maurice, you said this to me, it hurt my feelings, you know, and it wasn't that big of a deal. It's like, okay, that's not that big of a deal. I can deal with that, you know? So it is what it is, but I think that there's some good aspects to it. Um, Teleologism is the supposition that there is design, purpose, directive principle, or finality in the works and uh, processes of nature and the philosophical study of that purpose. Teleology stands in contrast to philosophical naturalism, and both ask the questions separate uh, from the questions of science. While science investigates natural laws and phenomena, philosophical naturalism 
and teleology investigate the existence or non-existence of an organizing principle behind those natural laws and phenomena, philosophical naturalism asserts that there are no such principles, while teleology asserts that there are. We talk about teleology all the time. I bring it up all the time. Oh, yeah. Is there a purpose? I definitely think there's subjective purpose, um, kind of like a hero's journey in a way, kind of connected to that. Like we all have some sort of story that, you know, or I don't even know if it's like, I would say like fate, but we all have this like thing, these obstacles to overcome, you know? And I really Mm -hmm. do believe that there's this like archetype thing happening. Um, Now, is there some object or external you know, purpose or telos? I don't know. I mean, how do you think of like, how did, what did you think about that coming in? And what do you think about that now? Like, again, I think I might've asked you this earlier, but do yeah, you, I think everybody has some kind of a problem in their life that they have to overcome. Right. But specifically purpose. Um, yeah, I think that, that do you I create your, your own purpose? Is, is there some inherent purpose, you know, interwoven to your, Reality, you know, what do you think's going on? I think that you're, you have to find, yeah, I, I, I think you do, I, well, yeah, I think you do create your own purpose, but that's part of what what's meant to be done is to figure out, that's like the test. Again, I'm guy, I, I, I'm a little religious and stuff, so I think that the, the creator is a, is testing you and you may have, it may, uh, manifest in a, in different ways. You know what I mean? Like I have pretty bad anxiety and stuff and I have to overcome that to be able to move to the next level or to be able to fully enjoy my life. Some people, some people rise to the occasion and some people don't, but I think we all have some kind of issues that we have to deal with. I'm not talking about like, you know, stuff that just happens in life. People pass away, this and that, you know, you break up from with relationships and stuff. That's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there's an internal thing that everybody has to kind of accomplish in their life. And it's, it's messed up in today's society. If you're looking on social media and stuff, it looks like everybody's life's all perfect. But then when you talk to people, you kind of can see that they all have some kind of inner battle. You can call them demons or whatever. I mean, my but... wife and I talk about this all the time. Like, who posts like like normal shit or like their person like if something personal is going on and it's not good like who's posting shit like I don't yeah, ever see any true. You never and, the, see and when you do thing. see it you're like whoa what's going on with that person yeah you know like so yeah. I mean there's a little too much information but so I, I think that uh, with social media you have to take it for you have to understand that that's the best repre- representation of that person or that's what the version of that person wants you to see, you know? So mm-hmm. you just have to understand that. And then once you understand that, you know, use, you know, social media as a tool or a way to like, you know, unwind. But yeah, I mean, people definitely have taken it to the next level for sure. Yeah. Um, let's see here. This one wasn't going to be on there, but I thought we should throw it in there because we talk about this kind of stuff all the time. But uniformitarianism also known as the doctrine of uniformity or the uniformitarianism principle is the assumption that the same natural laws and process that operate in our present day scientific observations have always operated in the universe in the past and apply 
uh, everywhere in the same universe. So this is the idea that the past is acted the exact same way as the future, and we can figure things out based on that. So I think John Anthony West and Graham Hancock have brought this up, you know, in terms of like these cycles when you talk about like golden ages and yuga cycles and different things. So um, this kind of, I think, plays more into like when you're talking about like geology and like the way things kind of play out with that and all that kind of stuff. But I think it does apply to a lot of different stuff. But if you look at it like everything's always progressing or there, it's like there's this causal line and nothing ever breaks off or there's not, you know, dips or upticks or anything like that. I think that, I don't know if I believe that. Um, I believe that there are different flows and different, you know, even in, in the ancient world, if you look at um, some of the the stuff from Mycenae and like early Greece and the Minoan stuff, and then you look at the buildings that were being built by the, like the Egyptians, it's like night and day, you know, and that's mm-hmm. the same time period. So it's like, that can even go across. Look at like Gobekli Tepe. We have Gobekli Tepe 12,000 years ago and we don't have much until we get to what Sumer or Sumerian, you know, Akkadian stuff, 3000, 4000 BC, you know, and then you get to the Egyptian stuff. So it's like, I don't know if I believe that there is this straight causal line or line of whatever uh, processes that have gotten us this place. So it's almost like, it's almost like the determinism of ideas in a way, or like uh, scientific principles or like first principles, something like that. I don't know. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, Getting into a trance, folks. <laughs> I am now turning into the Oracle. <laughs> um, let's see here. I think we already discussed that. Okay, space and time. Uh, Objects appear to us in space and time, while abstract entities such as classes, properties, and relations do not. How do space and time serve this function as ground for objects? Are space and time entities themselves of some form? Must they exist prior to objects? How exactly can they be defined how in time or how is time related to change must there always be something changing in order for time to exist so i think that these are all interesting questions um i'm gonna have to ponder some of that stuff more but um i don't know how to think about time i think time could be almost like free will and determinism in my head the way i think about it because it's like We've talked about the psychedelic experience. We've talked about meditation, slowing down time, or being in like one of those uh, reactionary, like if you're like swerving in a car or something, you like everything stands still for a second, you know, like what's mm-hmm. happening there? Because in your mind, time is slowing down or stopping, but externally it's not. So if we have the ability to manipulate time within ourselves, how is time constant externally? I don't know. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. I, maybe I'm not smart enough to understand, but. I don't know if anyone is. Um, so, like, to me, you know, and then you have the atomic clock experiment and how, you know, more gravity uh, equals time slowing down. So, I mean, there's a lot of, like, weird things happening there. Um, let's see here. Causality. Uh, classical, philo- classical philosophy recognized a number of causes, 
including theological future causes uh, and special relativity and quantum field theory. The notions of space and time and causality become entangled together uh, with temporal orders of causations becoming dependent on who is observing them. Uh, the laws of physics are symmetrical in time. Uh, so could equally be used to describe time as running backwards. Uh, why uh, then do we perceive it as flowing in one direction, the arrow of time, and as containing causation flowing in the same direction? So again, um, what's like the first cause? Was there a first cause? You were talking about the Big Bang earlier. Like what caused the Big Bang? You know, was there this pinhead size of um, energy energy that you know and then after the big bang you know things became you know more disordered or there was uh, you know went from high entropy to low entropy and it's just going to keep disintegrating which it's weird who who did we who is it uh, I'm drawing a blank on the name but the cosmic hologram I think is her book um, oh, I'm drawing a blank. Anyways, uh, her theory is that entropy is actually tied to information. It, like maybe there's there's obviously entropy when it comes to like energy, but like when it comes to information, maybe that's a whole separate thing. And then things are becoming more ordered. So like w- when physicists talk about entropy, things are becoming more disordered, which doesn't make sense when you think about it because we're becoming more ordered here right uh-huh like on this planet and like you think that things are but it's actually be, things are becoming more disorganized and if you sure theory was that it's the opposite so like information started off as like um not organized at all and th- over time it becomes super organized and now we have all these information systems and technology and all this great and wonderful stuff so um see if you can find that episode Cause I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on her name right now. The cosmic hologram. Yeah. Let's see if I can find it before you. Yeah, I'm sure you can, man. I, 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 <laughs> that wasn't Jude Caravan. Was yeah, it? well, Jude Caravan, and she's uh, she's interesting. She has a PhD in physics, I think, from like Oxford or something, and she also had a, a degree in archaeology. Because we were talking about some of that stuff with her too. Um. So again, that's pretty interesting stuff. Um, and then you get metaphysical cosmology and cosmogony. Uh, cosmology, cos- cosmogony deals with specifically the origin of the universe. Um, modern metaphysical cosmology uh, and cosmogony try to address questions such as what is the origin of the universe? You know, what was its first cause? Is its existence necessary? Things like that. Um, and then, you know, again, I mentioned atomism, you know, we discussed monism. Um, so now this is where we're going to get to where some people might not know what some of these things are. And there's a very distinct, uh, differences. Um, so there's pantheism, which is the belief that everything encompasses everything um, composes of all encompassing imminent God. So like pantheism is the idea that everything is identical with divinity or everything is God. Um, 
pantheists do not believe in a personal or anthropomorphic God, but they believe in the interpret, you know, they, they believe that interpretations of the term differ as well. So it's, it's kind of messy there, but yeah. So pantheism is the idea that everything is God or divine all matter. Yeah. Um, and then there's this other Greek variation called panentheism, uh, which pan means, uh, you know, everything or all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the belief that posits that the divine, be it a monotheistic God or poly- polytheistic gods uh, or an external cosmic force or whatever it is, um, is basically, it's like, it's basically the idea that, um, I don't know how to explain this. I'm trying to think of a way. This is hard to explain the difference between these two. Um, one of them, uh, I think is outside. Like, I think panentheism is the idea that God is outside of like, we're all part of this thing, but it's still like above us kind of a thing. Uh Um, so that would be the difference there. And I think pandeism, um, is the, the, is the belief that, you know, same thing. It's comes from the, the Greek, uh, word pan and then deus or deus, which is a Latin term meaning God. Um, so it's, is a term describing beliefs coherently incorporating or mixing logically reconcilable elements of pantheism, um, that God or a metaphor, uh, metaphysically equivalent creator deity is identical to nature. Uh, classical deism is that the creator God who designed the universe no longer exists in a status where it can be reached. Um, and it can instead be confirmed only by reason. It is therefore most particularly or most particularly that the belief that the creator of the universe actually became the universe, uh, and then ceased to exist as a separate entity. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, I'm trying to think here. Oh, okay. So then we get to panpsychism. So panpsychism, we've talked about this a lot, especially with some of our psychedelic guests. This actually seems to be kind of a popular theory, um, which is the view that all things have a mind or mind-like quality. Um, And the word was coined by an Italian philosopher, Francesco Patrizzi, in the 16th century, and then derives from two Greek words, pan meaning all, and psyche meaning soul or mind. Uh, again, this is the idea that all all matter has some level of consciousness. And it, you could even go back to like what we were talking about in past episodes, like Aristotle had his hierarchy of consciousness. So you have like, think of like a bubble, a big bubble with two smaller bubbles in it. Okay, the smallest bubble would be plant consciousness, okay? Uh-huh. And plant consciousness yeah, yeah, st- stands on its own, okay? Then you have animal consciousness which incorporates both plant consciousness and the animal consciousness and then you get to human consciousness which incorporates all three levels of that consciousness so i would assume um yeah i don't know i like that though i don't know what you think i like that too i think that's kind of uh they uh my roommate had a book about with Rudolf Steiner, and there was some stuff in there that was 
kind of similar to that. So I know that was kind of uh, I'm down on it. Lots of reading tonight, but I did want to get all those terms out there because, like I said, we've discussed some of these things at different points. But I think you know I've gotten emails like, "What does this mean? What does that mean?" Kind of a thing. So I mean, it's crazy that we've went over all those different things throughout our time. Yeah, I mean, at some point or that's another, some inte- that's some in-depth stuff. And like you, you've said it a couple of different times. I, it's hard for my brain to to wrap around this and I, I I have the same feeling it's 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 weird to think outside of you to that degree you know yeah no I mean I, I agree I still don't think I got that pan in it pan in <laughs> is right I think I got that one wrong I have to, I can't even say it I can't even talk tonight I don't know what's going on with me but I'll be better for the next one folks well, we've had a we've had a week off bro it's uh it wasn't a week off, and... was it oh yeah maybe it was a full week yeah yeah but... I mean I had we won't we're gonna try and do this you know last couple nights I had like an intense migraine the other night that was like I had a hangover the next day that's how bad it was um but yeah, part four will be on megalithic structures. I have all the slides ready to go. I have a lot of comparisons between cultures too, between uh, not just megalithic sites, but also like statues and figurines and um, symbolism and things like that. So it should be a fun episode. Beautiful. Less talking, less reading. Yeah. I mean, I didn't want to look, I, I just, like I said, I wanted to get all that stuff out there because we've talked about like metaphysics in terms of just you and I, or you, us and a guest just like shooting the shit on it, you know, but I wanted to get all the actual terminology out there and, you know, things that we've discussed on the show. I mean, what it comes down to where I stand on things, I think that, um, we create our reality um, not that it's separate from other people's reality. Like we still live in this objective world, but I think that when it comes down to like free will and like purpose and stuff, I think we're the creators of that. Yeah. And if there's something that exists outside of that, I think by living out your own purpose or living out your own um, hero's journey or whatever it may be, you might come to some universal or uh eternal sort of like wisdom or truth if that makes sense it does so that's kind of where i stand on it what do you what's going on i can't even swallow jesus (laughs) we're having all kinds of uh physical and mental (laughs) deformities today yeah i don't know why man i just couldn't read tonight And these are my own, like, notes. These are things, like, notes that I've written off, like, the internet and stuff. Um, But, uh, like I said, it's not normal that we even do that, so. Yeah. No, you're usually, uh, again, you're going to read some stuff. You're going to make some mistakes. We are all human, so. No, I'm not worried even worried about that. I just, like I said, I just feel like I couldn't talk tonight. Something was a little off. Yeah. We had a bad show. You know, what are you going to do? I wouldn't even say that. There's lots of information being passed around, and I just was listening and trying to to, to grasp half of them. It's it's tough. It's tough stuff. Yeah. Well, I love you, Maurice. You're 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 a good dude. Love you too, my man. Um. So yeah. So we're gonna try and we're gonna try and get this other episode in this weekend. I don't know when. Hopefully, 
maybe tomorrow or the next day we'll do again megalithic structures part four um tomorrow 1 p.m concrete we can really sink our teeth into (laughs) oh maurice will be falling back on those old tropes that's for sure yeah those in the middles you know you know was the Sphinx, was the Sphinx older? Between. Is it is it not older? I don't know. The answer's in the middle, you know? Yeah, see, that that you can't use it for that, yeah. you know? Like, is two plus two, it's four, or is it six? Well, yeah. it's somewhere in the middle. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense, <laughs> man. <laughs> the in the middle thing, the, you know what? Okay, so I, for your peace of mind, the in, in the middle thing works for perception. Yeah, that's what... Cause your memory what well, i usually equate it more towards the memory and but at the same time i mean even like aristotle used to say that like life is gray like it's gray area like life's like there's you know truth is in the middle like there is something that but that, i think it, a lot of that has to do with our senses and perception when you start talking about like you know logic and reason and mathematics and stuff there is no in the middle it's cut and dry you know yeah yeah but like i i know a lot of people that are uh into some crazy theories and it's like okay well i I wouldn't go that far with it but there is some truth to it so maybe it's in the middle somewhere again just listen to what i'm saying you could apply it when it has to do with perception or you're don't worry about when i apply no i'll i'll I'll, I'll apply it whenever i feel like it all right right. you can't tell me that all right all right, folks. Well, we will be back soon. And tomorrow at 1 p.m. on our Discord channel, we are doing a fan chat if you're interested. Um, and, Come on uh, in and say hello. And, uh, yeah, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast For just $2 a month, you'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments. Um, I just uploaded some stuff on there. We have an extra... Um, discussion with uh angel millar um where i think i don't know we were talking about a lot of different esoteric stuff mm-hmm. um which that was a fun conversation and we have a lot of stuff up there i mean we've been if you don't have if you're not a two dollar member on our patreon and you listen to our show a lot you know just do it it's basically a whole nother show you know it's two dollars a month if you listen to us already you get basically like a whole nother show there's a big catalog there so um, I mean, there's not 190 episodes, but there's a lot. So, yeah, we've been cranking them out lately. So, <clears throat> yeah, and there's a lot of good ones too. Some of our best guests we have Patreon episodes. So, let's see here. Also, one more time, head on over to indrasweb.org. It is live. This is a platform we did, you know, created to discuss these kinds of topics: nature, of reality, weird things, metaphysical things. If you have a hypothesis or, um theory or you just want to speculate come say hello yeah check it out and uh that's it everybody be safe we love you and uh we'll catch you next time peace peace